Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Recorded live. Welcome to the next module in our money certification program where we've teased this one a little bit where we discussed the role that the brain plays and chemicals and emotions in being successful in guiding someone to a new money vibration. So Lisa, this is really your forte. This is a topic that when I have clients that want to know more about this, I send them to you. So I'm really glad that we're including this subject in the money certification program. Because I think it matters with everything, right? I mean, we might, you had said in our notes for this call, it's like upper limit problems, which I think are very often brain chemistry problems. There's lots of ways that brain chemistry plays in when somebody has an issue that has been, I would say, chronic. Like it comes up for them over and over and over. They have a hard time busting it. And so I'm just going to give a basic primer about how brain chemistry plays into behavior and thought patterns, habitual thought patterns, and then we can talk a little bit about how this might apply specifically with money. Um, the, the, the foundational thing to know about the human brain, the brain itself, the mechanical unit that is the brain, when we separate it from all of the things like consciousness or spirit or what have you, is that the brain is basically just a machine. It's, and it is a machine that operates on chemicals and electrons. I mean, it's all about sending the electron from one place to the other and the chemicals that happen in that process. And so very functionally, our brain operates like an addict. And a lot of times, that addictive pattern inside the brain, the neurochemical addictions, those addictions are very, very positive, where we have positive associations to things that we come to expect, and our brain just keeps replaying positive chemistry cycles over and over again. But sometimes it works the other direction, where those neurochemical habitual patterns are actually wired in ways that are defeating to what we want to accomplish in our lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, every time you think a thought that, and I mean, it can be a suite of thoughts that feel the same way. Your brain develops a set, a cocktail of neurochemicals that match that thought. And as we think those thoughts or thoughts that feel like that, the grooving in our brain becomes even deeper and more well entrained or entrenched in our brain, that neuro grooving thing happens with habitual thought patterns. And so if you have a thought pattern where there's a lot of neuro grooving, you end up with really large, very powerful chemical plants that produce these chemical cocktails in your brain and receptors on the other side of that process that get very hungry for that chemical cocktail. They, they want their juice and no other juice will make it. No other juice does the trick because these 
neuroreceptors are very individualized to one specific chemical cocktail. And they want to stay alive. <laughs> like they, they need their hit. If they go too long without their hit, they actually are at risk of dying. The receptors themselves can die off. The grooving in the brain still exists. But the receptors on the other side of the brain actually can die off, and they don't want to. So they will work very hard to get their next hit, their next fix of that very specific chemical cocktail. And they will kick up all kinds of stuff in our thought processes to make us think the thoughts that stir up that chemical cocktail so they can get their hit. So in law of attraction world, we tend to think that feelings follow thoughts. Like we want to be really, really careful about what we're thinking because it has an impact on how we feel. But in brain chemistry, sometimes it's the other way around, where we will actually they will get hungry. Those neuroreceptors get really hungry and grabby. And you feel the feeling, and then you start thinking thoughts that reinforce it or support it. But you can't tell the difference. You think those thoughts are happening organically, and they're not really happening organically. They're being driven by this neuroaddiction to a specific chemical cocktail. So when I think about it in terms of money, like I can look at my track record in my life, and I can see how I have, at times in my past, had very strong neurochemical addictions to anxiety around money. I mean, that was, that was kind of my drill for a very long time, is anxiety around money. And that neurochemical addiction to those anxious thoughts about money drove my behavior unconsciously for a long time. And no matter how hard I tried to strong arm or manhandle myself into better thoughts about money, I wasn't overcoming sort of this neurochemical addiction. I didn't understand it. So my addiction to that anxiety about money was literal, like very real, and running in the background of my brain all the time. And, and until I – go ahead. Well, that, And that can be so frustrating for both a coach and a client when we don't realize that's what's in play and we don't understand why the work isn't taking hold. Right. Yeah. I think it can be really frustrating for law of attraction – deliberate creator folks in general when they don't understand because they'll be doing all the right things. They're doing their work, you know, they're meditating, they're doing their affirmations, they're visualizing, but the feelings keep coming back. And then those feelings drive thoughts that create reality. So understanding the, the concept, sort of the cycle of neurochemical addiction and under, helping your clients understand it so they can find their way out to a place where they really can have control of their thoughts and their focus can be a game changer for deliberate creators. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It could be super empowering to understand what's, what's in play here, but I've also found it can be challenging to deduce when or whether to, to share this with the client because sometimes they might experience it as discouraging rather than empowering to understand what's in play and how to manage it. 
we know so much more about this than we used to. I mean, there's been a lot of, in the last five years or so, a lot of, a ton of research. And I mean, we can thank the VA, the Veterans Administration, for a lot of this research that has emerged very strongly. But there have been a lot of like sort of experts in our field that have come out with some really compelling work around neurochemistry and brain chemistry. And we said that we weren't going to reference them because so much of his stuff is body-oriented. But Dr. Joe Dispenza, I think, has done some really remarkable work about mm. this. Agreed. And Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Yeah, book I recommend often. Yeah, I do too. And I think that what we can say now that we didn't know not long ago is that this doesn't have to be discouraging. Like we've all kind of understood habits and what it takes to build a habit or break a habit for a long time. And when we realize that neurochemical addiction really is fueled by thought habits and that if we can, if we're willing to look at it and play with it from a slightly different angle, that these neurochemical habits can actually be shifted and changed in a matter of weeks. That Weeks might feel like a long time, but for somebody who's been fighting, you know, a bad vibration or a challenging vibration on any subject, like money, for any length of time, if you can help a client understand that in three to four weeks they might be able to bust free of this forever, that actually usually lands as a relief rather than just And even excitement. Right. Especially when we think about how to engage this in a way that serves us. I mean, the potential get, does get pretty exciting. But I agree with you. Relief is often because if if a client has been experiencing this and not knowing why for some time to have an explanation for it, it is usually just huge, huge relief. I mean, deliberate creators can be really hard on themselves. Mm-hmm. Why isn't it working? What am I doing wrong? Why isn't it working? What am I doing wrong? Why, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? Like even just being able to point a stoplight some, or point a spotlight someplace else and say you may not be doing it wrong. You may be doing everything right. You know, just imagine what you've got in your vortex here. We may need to fix this one little issue over here with your neurochemistry I mean, you can let a client off the hook for feeling like they're failing at their deliberate creation practice when they understand that their brain chemistry might be in play. Mm -hmm. And sometimes just letting them off the hook for feeling like a failure is enough to shift the vibration. Mm -hmm. I've experienced it myself. Agreed. Should we talk real quick about, like, some methods for, because I think there's lots of methods here but how you would help somebody address their neurochemistry? Absolutely. Um, I think, well, I think, I, I know, the first step in addressing this is being aware that it's happening. You know, helping a client understand that this is a thing, helping them understand how to spot it. And I think the easiest way to spot it really is helping our clients fine-tune their awareness of what their thoughts and feelings really are. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's the thought that comes first or the feeling that comes first, oftentimes people can't make that distinction. And oftentimes people have really very little idea what their running internal dialogue actually is. Like I, I we wish kind of I live in our disagree, own forest. But yeah, agreed. 
so, I mean, they might think they're not thinking negative thoughts about money very often, but when in fact it's happening much more frequently than they were previously aware. That can, even just that awareness, helping them be trained to be more attuned to their thoughts and their feelings is the first step. And sometimes the awareness alone will shift it. You know, and for anyone who has a client who's having a hard time becoming more aware, inviting them to set an intention to do so can set them on the right track for that. So it doesn't have to be hard work. Just using their focusing powers to, in this process to gain clarity and more awareness about what they really are focusing on can be effective. Yeah. I think that Abraham, I mean, there's, we could talk about the emotional guidance scale for a long time, but we won't. I'll skip that. I mean, Abraham was spot on in their very early work where they said, look, it's really difficult to monitor every one of your thoughts. That's crazy making. Like watching all of your thoughts will shut your brain down being so busy watching your thoughts. You can't do it, which is why we have the emotional guidance scale. Like just paying attention to how you're feeling will cue you in to the general nature of your thoughts most of the time. And even that can be tricky. Because somebody who's lived with anxiety for a long time might not notice that they're feeling anxious because that's their normal state. True story. So that would be step number one, is helping your client develop some awareness about their internal emotional state, their emotional orientation, and some awareness about what their internal dialogue is on everything, but in this case, specifically money. And I'll just add, that, oh, go ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I, was, I was going to say that sometimes the role that we can play in helping our clients become more aware is to listen very closely and mm-hmm. point it out to them because they will, they'll, they'll give you this spiel at the beginning of the call about how they're thinking all the good thoughts and they're doing all their alignment work, but as they continue the conversation, very often you'll be able to pick out pieces that are either directly speaking to anxious thoughts or fearful thoughts or something that um, that represents it. If you listen really well and point it out to them, then a lot of times it can be a light bulb moment for them. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's super true. Like oftentimes people will be like saying all the right things about money most of the time, but when they're talking to their coach, they are much more likely to slip into something that mirrors their internal dialogue more more organically, where they might be really trained to think and speak a certain way, particularly speak a certain way in every other place. That conversation with their coach, their stuff is going to come out. Yep. So once you've kind of nailed that, once you've, and and, I mean, that's hard to nail. I mean, we may all be in the process of nailing that for the rest of forever, (laughs) that level of awareness. But once you've like helped your client significantly increase their level of awareness, the next thing to do is to work them through a process of how to break the habit when they notice that it's happening. So, you know, your client is aware, I will say, let's just talk about me. I become aware that I'm having some sense of anxiety about money. 
like I'm feeling it or I catch myself in a thought. And again, with a, with a neurochemical addiction, often it's a feeling first or just a feeling. But the feelings will come, and that's, that's the neurochemical thing happening. The hungry addicts pick up the feelings, and then we flood ourselves with thoughts that support feelings, even if they're not true. Once you catch yourself doing that, you have to disrupt that neural pathway. And there's lots of ways to disrupt, but you, you need to do it. And I mean, sometimes just catching yourself and saying out loud, no, no, that's enough of a disruption. That breaks the neural pathway. That creates enough of a, a, a switch in the brain that that neural pathway is interrupted, and that's enough. But breaking a neuro habit just by interruption is the hard way to do it. I mean, there are some, some next steps that make breaking that habit, that neuro addiction, happen a little bit faster. I, wa- I wonder, just, is that ahead. what I was doing naturally when I would catch myself thinking thoughts of when I was knew it this whole coaching thing and i would find myself with the thought of "Uh oh this isn't going to work you're going to have to get a job and i didn't just say i'm a brilliant coach in high demand i said no that's not what i'm creating and that little preface to it really felt key to being able to plug into the vibration of brilliant coach in high demand when i repeated the affirmation afterwards Mm -hmm. i mean no is a powerful command no and stop (laughs) it's brief it's short. It means something. We listen to ourselves when we're doing that. Like, no, that that works. And I do think that people will do it instinctively. I've heard you talk about that before, and I've often thought that that was an instinct to break the neural pathway. Okay, and there are other ways. You like to use a rubber band too, right? I like the rubber band. I mean... I'm happy to go with no if it's enough, but I think the rubber band works. And studies have been done on the rubber band technique. Um, And the way that works is you get, you know, just a fairly loose-fitting blue rubber band, the kind that usually comes on your produce. And when you catch the thought, you give yourself the command, no or stop, and then you snap that rubber band that you're wearing on your wrist lightly. You're not looking to like blister yourself, just a little snap. And again, that's the next step in the pathway disruption. That interrupts that pathway even more effectively because now you've included a sensory aspect to that disruption, something that literally grabs your attention in a different way. I think the rubber band trick also is very good for helping to reinforce awareness. I mean, when somebody's like snapping a rubber band a hundred times a day, they realize they're much more aware of how strongly these thought patterns might be running in the background. So the rubber band trick really helps there. And I have had clients who, you know, occasionally will snap way too hard and they'll send me pictures of their wrists. Like this isn't about being punishing. It's just about creating a, a slight or a small physical sensation that reinforces the interrupt of that neural pathway. So what I often recommend is both things, the verbal command, and out loud is best if you can, if you're by yourself, to say no or stop out loud, and then snapping the rubber band. 
And you know, I am not a fan of practicing that myself personally because it doesn't feel to me like I just I it isn't a practice that that I can feel good about. But when I have practiced it just with the verbal interrupt, I've found that to be effective enough for me. If I didn't, then I might be more interested in exploring it with the rubber band. And I think it can be layers, right? You can start with a client and see if the verbal interrupt is enough. And it's possible that it will be. I mean, and for a lot of clients, that is going to be enough. But if it's not, if they're still struggling, if they're still having problems, if they're not really, if they don't feel like they're getting traction, then adding the rubber band might be a good next step. All right. So after that, yeah, the redirect, which, again, is what you did really naturally. So I like to use a pre-planned redirect, one thought that you really want to own, because you're going to get lots of opportunities to practice it, so make it awesome. But make it easy. So in your case, it was, no, I am a brilliant coach in high demand. It was, no, that's not what I'm creating. What I'm creating is, so that that lead up to it really felt like it made the difference. And this is highly personal. Someone else might not need that much of a, I feel like I had a big ship that I was turning around. Whereas if someone's driving a cute little car, they could do it on a dime. But mine felt pretty big that I was turning it around. So that lengthy interrupt felt helpful in order to have an effective redirect. Powerful. But it was the same thing every time. You weren't, you yeah. know, trying to find your words. You weren't trying to think it through. Like when you're doing thought addiction rehab, you want to have it on your tongue. You want to know what it's going to be. You want it to be well-crafted, and you want it to be something that you really can own, that you're not stumbling over. Somebody else's words aren't probably going to work. Like you want to take the time to find your own words that are going to be easy to remember and easy to work with consistently. And, I mean, I've had clients want to do five or six different thoughts. Can I do this? And, and, and. It's like you can, but it's going to be more effective if we can find one for now, one thought that is your redirect. So you catch yourself, you interrupt, whether you're just using the verbal command or the rubber band, and then you redirect to your new reality, the new thoughts that you want to form a pathway around, and you you redirect every single time. And again, this works, it's probably more effective, a little faster, if you can do it out loud. But if you can't, if you're in your office or whatever, and you have to do it inside your head, it still works. Just make sure you do it. The redirect Mm -hmm. matters. Mm -hmm. Because, let's go back to neurochemistry. Like, you those grooves are always going to be in your brain. You can starve off the receptor, but the groove is still there. So we want to build a new groove, a fresher groove, maybe even a deeper groove that's more appealing. I mean, we're wired to want to follow pleasure. So if we can build sort of an opposing groove that that leads us towards feel good, that new groove is going to get more airtime. Just Starving off the receptor is only half of the thing because the groove's still there. So you're literally reconstructing a new highway in your brain, a new groove, when you do your redirect. 
I wonder if the redirect could be as effective if all we did was like um, have a word that represented the vibration we wanted to feel, like replacing out anxiety with peace or relief. Do you think just could a word be, and it might depend on the client, but I've heard Abraham talk about how sometimes Esther just focuses on the words like ease and flow in order to get into that vibrational groove. I would say, yeah, it could be. And, and I think this is, you know, incredibly individual. I mean, for some clients, and you'll hear it when you're working through it, like when you're trying to find that redirect thought, for some clients, that word ease or, I don't know, whatever it is, like abundance might be a good word. For some clients, one word's going to do it. For some clients like you, I mean, a slightly more powerful, more personal redirect had the juice. But when you're helping your client do this, it can take a little bit of time to craft whatever that's going to be. But boy, when they land on it, that one thing that works for them, you can hear it in their voice. You know you've found it. And until you find it, this is going to be a difficult process. Because when it comes trying to redirect, they're going to be struggling. And that's an that's an essential part that they get a foothold in the new vibration in order for this to be effective. To work. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, a while ago, we would have thought this was the end of the process. But now we know stuff that makes sense about ways that we can shortcut the amount of time it takes to actually create a new habit, kill the old habit, create the new one. And that is the next sort of final step in the rehab process would be some hit of pleasure because we are pleasure-seeking machines. I mean, the pleasure reward center in our brains, that's, it's always on, on drive. And so if you can identify the thought, catch yourself, stop it, redirect, and then give yourself some little hit of pleasurable reinforcement after that redirect, you are significantly cutting your time in developing habitual patterns around your redirect. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what they used when they were studying this was a piece of candy. And so, you know, that might be great. That might not be best. I mean, some people are not going to be too stoked about a piece of candy. I've had clients who decided they were going to use gum, and they were going through way more gum than they thought they were going to, particularly in the beginning. I mean, just stroking your own arm, like a gentle stroke on your arm that feels good, that can be a pleasurable redirect. I often use a scent, like keep a little tiny bottle of essential oil where I stop or stop it and redirect and then take a little sniff of a really lovely smell. I mean, it doesn't have to be something that's difficult like that. Seriously, a stroke on the arm is enough to create that pleasurable anchor to your redirect. I like tracing the lines in the palm of my hand as a as another Ooh. way to do it as well. I'm doing that's nice. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, what they've learned in their studies is that you can shortcut the time from three to four weeks to two to three weeks if you're if you're working your pleasurable reinforcement of your redirect. And I think time is. It's something that I don't want to get hung up on 
Like we talk about time and we can fairly easily say three to four weeks, but it takes as long as it takes. I mean, I've seen some people break patterns and create new ones for real legitimately within seven days. And I've worked with some clients where six weeks later, when they were really working it, we were still working it. So it takes as long as it takes. But I would say the average we know sort of from studies is that three to four week time frame. Should we talk about the three to four days for the physiological reset and what that might be experienced as? <laughs> it's an addiction, right? So you're you're breaking an addiction. And those little neuroreceptors in your brain are addicts and they can, I wouldn't say always, but I will say often, kick up some stuff like some really unpleasant thought patterns because they're really, really, really tired trying to get their airtime, or even some physiological sorts of symptoms that might be associated with detox. And you and I have talked about this a lot. Do you warn your client or not that they might experience some dip in mood or some detoxy kind of symptoms? And I think that happens on a sort of an individual basis. I, tr I mean, I can't say. I, I do often warn them mm -hmm. because I don't want them to get hit in the middle and then wake up two days later and they're in like a hell of a mood and they've got a cold and they're like overwhelmed and saying, fuck this. Like yeah. if they wake up, or like, what, what kind of coach did I hire? This is not working. Right. <laughs> I do not yeah. feel better. <laughs> yeah. I want them, if that happens, that they wake up and they're in a hell of a mood and they've got a cold and they're whatever, I want them to, like, look at that and be like, oh, it's working. I, I know what it's working. Like, and it is. Like, if they hit that point and they're dealing with some detox, it is because it's working. Yeah, I, that's what I ask people. I ask them, have you ever detoxed from anything before, whether it was chocolate or nicotine or caffeine many people do have an experience with that or they have a loved one who or a friend who's had an experience with that and so i can use that as an opportunity to let them know you know detox symptoms are sometimes a thing sometimes not but sometimes they are don't let that get in the way lisa i cannot tell you how shocked i was when i experienced detox symptoms it was resentment that I was dialing off of. I, I was doing relationship coaching with you. You pointed out that I was. I had a resentment habit going with my boyfriend, and in the process of detoxing from that, I I got the shakes. Not violently, not dramatically, not to the point where anyone would notice. Holy crap, that girl's jonesing! But I noticed it, and if I hadn't experienced it myself, I I would it still boggles my mind, and I did have personal experience of it. It just amazes me how our bodies work, how the thoughts create the chemicals that the body responds to just like the just like the physical things we ingest. It was amazing. And, and, and shakes uncomfortable. Are... I was irritable as hell, just like anyone who was quitting smoking, cold turkey. <laughs> yeah. Shakes aren't unusual, like little trembly shakies. Um, Cold symptoms aren't unusual. Fatigue, um, headaches. Fatigue, headaches. 
all of the stuff that we would associate with a traditional chemical detox. And I've had clients breathe through it and not notice it. But I will say, like I said, more often than not, you will, you, they will get some sort of detoxy experience in this process because this is physiological. It's a biological thing that's happening in your brain. And those receptors do not want to die. <laughs> they, they don't want to give it up. But, so but the good news is it only takes got. Yeah, it only takes the body three or four days for a physiological mm-hmm. reset. So yep. th- that's the physiological aspect of it. The psychological aspect may be a different story. Just like with smoking, someone who's in the habit of having a smoke break or drink having a cigarette while they drink after work with friends, that can take a little bit longer. But the the body's part, the physiological part, can be cleared out within three to four days if you go cold turkey. And, I mean, that that is the description of sort of the life cycle of the receptors, right? The receptors probably don't live more than 96 hours. They will die. But the groove itself, that habit, right, mm-hmm. the groove is still in place. So that's why this dedication or the attention, the intention of building the the other groove, the redirect, the next groove, the next highway in your brain, really matters because we want that next groove to be the first groove, like the most appealing groove, the easiest groove in your brain. And you've got to build it before your brain will naturally get out of its old groove. And you've seen this work successfully many times, right? I think it's worth Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Particularly, like we said at the top of the call, I've seen it work where you're working with somebody who's doing all the right stuff, and they really are. We should be seeing results here. You should be feeling better because of the practice that we've got going on. We should be getting some traction, and we're not. In those kinds of cases where you've kind of cleared the decks and nothing's really making sense, that feel-better result isn't on board yet, this this works. What, what else do we need to share for our coaches to feel really confident broaching this subject with clients? Have we covered everything? I think we've covered everything. I mean, I think it's probably a good read. We were just talking about this because in our next call we were talking about resources. And I said that I probably wouldn't put this book on our resource list because it's not specifically money-oriented, but here we go. Um, Breaking the Habit of Being Me is probably a good read because it will give you some, some comfortability, some foundation in this work that will make it easier for you to talk to your clients about this in a more confident way. Yeah, I just that's Joe Dispenza's Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, How to Lose Your Mind and Create a New One. Cool deal. You know, he he lives 20 minutes from me, and we still have not had coffee. Doesn't seem right. How does that even happen? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it on this subject. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll see you on the next module. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.